Welcome to Realising Your Potential, a leadership podcast from Accolade Wines. Accolade Wines is a leading global wine company with famous wine brands loved and trusted around the world, including Hardy's, St. Hallet, Grand Berge, Banrock Station, House of Arras and Echo Falls. The show was originally recorded for our people as a learning and development tool, but due to popular demand, it is now available on Spotify, Google Podcasts and many more. If you would like to contribute, ask questions, or just share some comments, please get in touch with Accolade Wines on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Ange Murphy, Chief People and Communications Officer. In this second series, I speak to some fantastic guests from our external networks who share their personal journeys, leadership tips and advice as we continue to build our high-performance culture. In this episode, I speak with Paralympic and schoolboys rowing coach Jason Baker. JB describes himself as never being the most talented rower as a teenager, but through the great experiences he got from the sport, and in particular his coaches, it motivated him to do the same and give back. And give back he has. I really enjoyed my conversation with JB and I hope you do too. So let's get started. Welcome JB to Accolade Wines. It's really lovely to have you. Thanks, great to be here. I'm going to kick off with a very obvious question, but could you give us an overview of your background? I grew up in Melbourne. We moved around a bit, born in Newcastle, and my dad was a palm. I'd never heard of rowing before I moved to Melbourne. When we got there, dad's like, oh, I'd like you to try rowing. I'm like, what's rowing? He's like, oh, just go and have a go and see how you go. And and I came home after the first night. I'm like, I don't really like rowing, dad. He's like, well, that's too bad because you're going to do it. So, and the rest is history a little bit. I sort of rode through school, like a few people, probably hopped around a little bit for a few years after that. But about 15 years ago, just started started in the coaching a bit more seriously. Uh, and then it just sort of became more and more part of my life to the point now where, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible, really, that I, I can have a career or a vocation and be paid to do, you know, something that I love. And I think something that is great, particularly for, for kids, uh, young boys like I got so much from the sport through school. And when I left school, think about all the time and effort that coaches put into me and they were all volunteers really. And now sort of to be able to, to get paid to do a job like that, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome really. It's, it's pretty amazing. You said that you didn't initially like rowing, but your dad said you're just going to do it. Did you fall in love with the sport or did you become, like, what what process did you go through even back as a schoolboy to get to where you are today? I was never the most talented athlete, but it's hard to de- de- describe. There's something about the sport that hooks you in. But I think one of the great things about the sport is if you cannot be the most talented athlete in the world, but if you persist, you can you can get places. You know, it's a, it's a sport. It's a tough sport physically and mentally, but it's a sport that rewards persistence. So... You know, I think that's one of the great things about it. You can, you can just keep rocking up and, and you will get somewhere. And for kids wanting to learn lessons, I, I just think there's, there's nothing like it. You know, it's, it's almost a perfect analogy for life. You know, it's difficult. It doesn't always work out the way you want. But, you know, if you keep showing up, you, you will get somewhere. I'm really curious to understand a little bit more about the comments you made around getting so much out of the sport of rowing when you participated as a young adult. If you could distill that down to two or three things, what they were and how have they helped you through the course of your career? Well, probably one of the biggest ones is persistence. When I left school, my coach sat me down and said, oh, mate, you're probably not going to amount to much. You know, I found that just, oh, look, I loved it. 
and I just kept rocking up and I, I went a lot further than I, I ever thought I could. And I guess that's that sort of hard work and commitment has been pretty good for me. It gave me a bit of an insight into, you know, the process of rowing and what's required. And so I think that's helped me in that, you know, I, I think I can relate to most people and what they have to go through to succeed in a sport or to improve. Also, just like the, the social aspect, pretty tight knit sport. You make good friends. It is really a team sport. You know, you row in crews with eight other rowers and a coxswain. You can't be selfish at all if you really want to obtain the most out of out of a crew. You've really got to sort of give over to to the process, and you, you've sort of got to let go of your ego a little bit and just sit there and do your job. You know, knowing, knowing when to speak up and when to just keep your mouth shut and, and get on with it was, was a pretty important one as well. But it offers a pretty all-round experience, and especially the social side. And there was a bit of travel as well. We travelled around, uh, you know, various states and raced different people. I, I just loved it. You talked about having great coaches yourself who were volunteers. Was that one of the motivations for you to become a sports coach? I got so much from rowing and I think it's such a great sport and I think it can give young kids so much. I want them to have the experience of rowing that will set them up in their lives. I coach Eric at the Paralympics in the top level. I've never had wild ambitions to coach at the Olympics, not to say I'm not ambitious or I don't want to coach the best I can coach, but I just really love what the sport can do for, I guess, guys that are anywhere up to sort of 22, 23 from, you know, 12, 13. I mean, that's that's why I'm in it, really. You mentioned that one of the motivations for teaching schoolboys rowing was to try and facilitate the same experience for them that you had. When the boys that you coach finish the program, what are the two or three key lessons do you think that they take away from their experiences with the sport, from the school rowing program and from your coaching? I hope they've learned a lot and mostly about themselves. Part of the process is just sort of pushing them along and, and, they, and getting them to figure out that they can do so much more than they realise, especially in a sport like rowing. There's just levels and levels and levels, you know, to push them through some of these barriers I don't know whether we discussed this, but when the when the boys are eight kilometres up the river on a cold, windy, wet afternoon in, in a single skull and they're a bit tired and hungry and there's, there's only one way home, you know, on the Parramatta River where it can get a bit wild. So I think yeah. that's, it's actually pretty out there, I think. And I don't know whether kids experience that stuff where they've just got to figure things out and tough it out and they've just got to get home under their own steam, you know, and I think they learn a lot from that. When we go to regattas, the guys have to de-rig their boats and load all their gear on the trailer. And if they break stuff, well, that's especially a way at a regatta that has fairly significant consequences potentially, you know, in, in not racing. So, yes, they do. And they need to learn to look after their gear and make sure it's all together. Because, again, if they're stuck up, if they're eight kilometres up the river and something breaks that they could have prevented, well, that's, that's not going to go that well for them either. They do need to learn to manage themselves and manage their gear so they can get home and get, get done what they need to get done. I mean, how you show up and what you put in has a massive impact on the ability for your crew to perform. And, well, and even at the, at the boys' level, you sort of learn that if you have a bad day and you don't feel like doing it, well, you've just got to, you've just got to try and get there for it you know, because there's these other guys in there that are, that are relying on you. That is, that is one of the gifts of the sport. You've, you've sort of got to transcend some of your, your personal stuff, you know, when you're having a bad day uh, and, and you've got to get there. And you've also got to learn to inevitably, you know, with, with eight other rowers and the coxswain in the boat, there's probably one or two people that you don't really like or get along with or agree with, but 
you know, you've got to learn to work with these people if you re- if you want the best outcome. If you're banging heads with with someone and you know you're sort of deliberately trying to derail the process, uh, well, you, you're the you're the one that suffers in the end uh, because you know the performance of the whole boat will. So you've really got to learn how to how to get the best out of everyone, regardless of whether you like them or not. Because if you don't, well, really, you're only stitching yourself. You talk of coaching Eric, of course, who's a phenomenal Paralympian, and then you coach 16, 17, 18 year old boys. Does your approach in coaching change with those different sets of individuals? It doesn't, not necessarily because Eric is disabled, just because of their their experience. I mean, the younger guys, it's a really a bit of a voyage of discovery, and you're just pushing them to expand their horizons all the time a little bit you know they don't they don't know what they're capable of you know in a lot of cases and that's that's also one of the great things about the coaching is you push you can push these guys and they can do they can do so much more than they they realize it's pretty satisfying when you know they they take take the step or move to the next level and and just advance and they they do they do things they realize they thought they couldn't do so whereas eric you know he's he's a pretty professional guy you know i don't need to worry about chasing him to turn up to training so it's so it's a little bit more about about managing him keeping him on the rails make sure he doesn't overdo it managing through his travel and arriving to regattas in good shape then the, the questions i guess the questions are a little different for eric you know it's not often a question of intent with eric whether he's putting 100% in, because most of the time he is. It's just a little bit more about, about the application or how he's applying it. Whereas with the younger guys, you've got, to, you've, got to coax, you've got to coax it out of them a little bit more. Do you have a recommended technique? Because it's a little bit like when you're coaching in the workplace, it's interesting you talk about the fact that when do you push them, yeah? You know they've got the potential, but how hard do you push? So is there a particular approach that works for you to get the best out of them or it just depends on the individual? I think it depends a lot on the individual. I've probably come around to carrot than stick. Probably used to be a little more stick, but now I guess it's all about showing them the door. Hopefully they're they're going to walk through it every now and then, you know, the stick stick has to come out. But you know, I think I've probably moved to a slightly more positive form of coaching than maybe five or six years ago. I've been I've been pretty lucky to have a bit of a journey uh, in my coaching. I did a great course three or four years ago with AIS uh, and the Melbourne Business School as part of their uh, Center for Elite Coaching and Performance. There was a pretty in-depth character sort of assessment in there, and and it highlighted a few things that really helped me. So I was pretty lucky, and it was one of those things like all those assessments. You go, oh, I'm not really like that, uh, and then and then you think about it for a while, and you go, oh. Yeah, hang on. I've been fortunate to have a couple of good experiences like that that have really helped me along the way and just understand why I coach, but also some of the some of the factors that probably weren't quite so helpful. What was the point that you realized you had to change from stick to carrot? I think it's just evolved working with different coaches. The experience of the of the course sort of shone a few light on on some areas. Like it showed that I was I was very volatile, which I just didn't believe at all. And then I sort of look back at times where I I just snap and I go and I sort of went ooh. So so I'm much more mindful of, of that sort of thing these days. It's probably just been a process of learning what what works best. And it's also there's got to be a degree of enjoyment. Yes, we, you know, we love to win races, but there's a bit of a bigger picture there of, you know, we are, 
we're developing these kids and we want them to be better kids. Uh, and, and they've, they've also got to enjoy it. You know, yeah. I think they're going to get more out of it if they enjoy it. And, you know, we need to make better, better people out of them. And that's steered, steered me around a little bit, I think. I'm going to out myself as a meditator as well. I started that about seven or eight years ago, and it's probably fair to say that's that's actually changed my life. I used to have an alter ego, Sir Bob, Sir Bob Grumpy, Sir Bob Geldof. He used to come home at the end of the day, uh, and my partner Cat used to call me Sir Bob, but he uh, he doesn't come around much anymore. Uh, certainly. Uh, can attribute probably an, a bit more of a sense of, of calm and composure to that too, you know, to being able to just suck up the bumps a bit better. When do you use meditation? Do you use it every day? I try to, yeah. Yep. With all the sort of different start times, I, I try and do it when I get out early. I was pretty good this morning. I only did 10 minutes, but that was at about 10 past four. So uh, I don't, I usually don't manage any, any at that time of the morning, but I, it also will depend. I guess I can gauge my emotional state a little bit better. And when I find myself getting a bit triggered by things that, you know, I might normally let slide, I, I know it's, I've got to sort of top up a little bit. You know, it certainly seems to have a bit of a half life. Uh, you know, if I've got a, a, a later start in the morning, then I can get 20 minutes in, no problem. Uh, but aside from that, I, I slotted in here and there. I started doing it on planes and, and all of a sudden, instead of just being awake for an entire flight, like I could sleep for six or seven hours on a flight, like I, it's incredible the difference it, it makes for me when I'm traveling. Did you go to a, a course or did you just end up deciding or did someone introduce you to it? Again, well, mine was sort of through a podcast. Uh, so I used the Sam Harris app. Uh, he's an, an American neuroscientist uh, and meditator. He's got a really good app. It's got lots of guided meditations on it and just sort of started a couple of his meditations. And, and again, the first couple of days I tried it, I, I just felt like I was walking on clouds. It was, it was quite profound. For me, also part of it is like I'm an, an average surfer. I think it's just also good to do things that you're not very good at. Be a bit humble and go out there and, and get worked or just, and just, you know, work towards a bit of a goal and, you know, work towards improving a little bit, you know, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's a pretty major part of it as well. What's your view around exercise? Are you a big proponent of it and the view around looking after your, your mental health through exercise as well as your physical health? Absolutely. Like I've probably gone through phases of looking after myself not so well and looking after, my, after myself a little bit better. It's been interesting. The COVID period in some ways has been quite good for me. You know, I sort of surfed on and off all my life, but, you know, sort of started surfing a bit more, a bit more regularly, three or four times a week mostly just as a form of exercise, but as sort of fun and recreation as well. The benefits of exercise for the regulation of your body, of your emotions, of, of everything in your life, it's, it's, it's hard to understate. For even, even for me, I believe it just it metabolizes a lot, of, a lot of the, you know, the hormones that you don't want in there, like the cortisol and, and all that sort of stuff, just clears out your metabolism. It settles your mind. I don't think there's anything else quite like it, really. And the meditation and the exercise, if you meditate and then go and exercise, it, it makes it more fun as well. Well, it makes it less painful. It makes it more enjoyable. We've talked about the leadership assessment that you undertook with the AIS and you've spoken openly about your development areas and introducing meditation as a practice to help. On the flip side, what were some of the strength areas that showed up for you as a coach and how do you leverage these when coaching both schoolboys and Eric? The one I came out highest on was uh, strategic vision. So my ability to see, you know, the, the big picture and, and one, one that I actually 
was not good. Another one where I wasn't good on was driving execution. But again, I've been pretty lucky. I've sort of managed to or know how to work with the people that I work with. Uh, I tend to surround myself a bit with people that will complement that area. Also, you know, in the high performance system, well, I can see sort of the sports science and the sports medicine and all that sort of thing. I know how to leverage the people there to get to get what we want. Just being able to read the play a little bit, try and stay one step ahead and see what's coming and just have that that big picture in mind, something that I found that I'm, I'm reasonably good at. I mean, with coaching, I'm comfortable now with not having the answers straight away. There are, there are some things that, you know, the path is the path a little bit and, and something will bug me or I'll have a question or something that I'm trying to work out. And I, I just know that it's, one day one day the answer will come to me and I don't always necessarily have a lot of control over that. And that's something I've learned that you can't really force. And I try not to get frustrated with it. You know, I know eventually, I guess, inspiration for want of a better word will, will strike somewhere along the line. Eric, five world championships. When you talk to him, he, he sounds like a very motivated individual, yeah? How do you back up that success as a coach? How do you keep delivering on that success, that performance? First of all, I guess I've been pretty lucky. I'll be very surprised if I ever coach another athlete as gifted as Eric. And there's not many coaches around get the opportunity to coach someone like Eric, who is as talented. But I think from year to year, a little bit of novelty each year is good. You know, we were pretty lucky the first year that he won. He won pretty well. So so we we were sort of able to sit back and go, okay, you know, we you know, we, we can be a bit smart about this. Yes, we keep training hard, but you know, I, I do like to bring a slightly different emphasis in every every year. You know, we might develop his equipment. You know, there was a few years there. We spent a lot of time developing his equipment. My strategy is linked around what I see to be his psychology a little bit. He has a fairly busy mind. I know I like to I like to keep him occupied with a few little projects and I like to feel that he's moving forward and he's making some changes. But it's not the same formula each year because in rowing, we have you have drills in rowing to, to get better but you know when you're working with a crew you know you can do a drill and it'll work really well the first time you do it and then you know if you do it over a period of two weeks it, the drills have a bit of a half-life you know they kind of decay uh so and I, I feel like the seasons are a little bit like that too you know what worked really well for your one season will not necessarily work for you the next season so you know just thinking ahead a little bit about what are we going to do a little bit different just to tweak it up next year to make you know to provide a bit of a challenge to keep you know to keep the focus I guess one of the biggest things that I've learned in the coaching is about you know I really feel that adversity is wildly undervalued in life and in sport the best the best years we've ever raced at the world championships were the years where our lead-ins were the most difficult he was the most focused he most determined the years that we were coming in and it was a bit wobbly and we really had something to rally against one of the biggest takeaways so far from my time in sport is there's really no such thing as the as the dream run you know there's always going to be injury and illness and you know stuff's going to go wrong but it's how you deal with those things that, that matters. They're gifts, but they don't—they don't initially appear as gifts. You know, you've got to find the silver lining to all these things. You know, people think the sky is falling in when something goes wrong. It's well, you know, there's got to be some opportunities one way or another. You know, they won't—they might not always be immediately apparent, especially as a coach. 
you know, you've almost got to be able to spin anything that happens and you've got to, you know, work your way through whatever happens rather than being the exception. That's, that's really the rule in sport and, and, and in life too. You know, it's kind of how you frame all these things that happen to you that, that, that really affects, you know, how you, how you deal with them and how and what the outcomes will be down the line. Yeah. So ideally there are really no problems, only solutions, you know, and challenges that, that need to be met. I think for 2019, you and Eric went to the World Championship and he didn't win. I mean, obviously yep. hugely disappointing for both of you. How do you manage your emotions to help him? Yeah, look, it was it was it was pretty it was difficult, especially for Eric. You know, he'd won pretty much five consecutive world championships. So so he didn't take that particularly well, it's fair to say. But you know, he's come a long way in the time I've been working with him. He's getting better at dealing with those things. You know, probably one of the things I'm I'm pretty proud of that that he's come a pretty long way as a person as well as an athlete. But I do try and be the steady influence there. And again, especially around uh big regattas, I take a bit more time to make sure that I look after myself. So I know when situations like that arise, I've just got a bit more of a buffer to be able to absorb, you know, whatever comes my way. I do spend a bit more time meditating. I spend a bit more time exercising because I know that potentially the season's going to get pretty rough. And I know that the calmer I am, the calmer he will be. So if I'm in a good place, he, he will, you know, through the regatta, he will also be in a good place and that's a reasonably significant side to it as well another thing as a coach your demeanor will be very much reflected in in your in your athletes behavior as well i do make concerted effort around big competitions you know give up just a vibe of you know with everything is in hand no matter what comes up we've spoken already around eric being an incredibly talented athlete and that he's come a long way in the time that you've been coaching him what specifically are some of those improvements that you have helped Eric achieve through the coaching process? We've tried to bring him around to some, you know, more balanced, sustainable motivations, you know, just doing it for himself, doing it for the love of the sport. His family's a big motivator for him, and I think that's a great source of inspiration for him. I think that's pretty healthy. Every, t- every year coming into the Worlds for, you know, for, for quite a few of them, I was pretty sure... I won't say I knew he was going to win, but I was pretty sure he was going to win. But, you know, he'd have these massive sort of, you know, crisis of confidence leading in every time in the week to two weeks out from the World Championships because uh, he just put himself under so much pressure and, you know, thinking about everything, everything but just the simple process of rowing. But he got, he got better at sort of putting himself back together after those and then eventually they've become less and less frequent. And now he's just... You know, he's a lot more level running into competition. You know, he's he's paying attention to to the right the right things. The last few months have been have been great. He's rowing really well. He's in a great place now. You know, inevitably the the pressure will ramp up into into the games, but he's always at his best racing when he's had a good preparation and he's he's happy that he's done everything that he can, and he's arriving in in good shape. In in some in some respects, you know, he's super vulnerable, but. His ability over the last few years to work through those and move on is, is quite is quite remarkable. It can be hard to get to the start line sometimes, but you know once he's on the start line, there's he he's actually he's actually a true champion, really. Did you ever feel like giving up though in those early years? Was it all like just I think this is a bit too hard? What, what have I taken on? Not really. I'm. <laughs> I, I wonder whether a requirement for being a coach is is an inability to 
let things go or put things down or or quit. So so no, that that never really never really occurred to me. I guess I'm I'm pretty persistent. I don't like I like to see things through. You know, I think a lot of people in Eric's life have let him down or not been there for him or so I was pretty conscious that, you know, I wasn't going to be one of those. And it's not really my dream to win Paralympic gold medals, but it's it's very much his and I'm I'm very much happy to facilitate that, you know. He's got the drive and he's got he's got the will. I, I'm I'm pretty pretty determined to to help him get there. If you want to coach someone, it's actually about you facilitating for them almost the options, yeah, or the ability for them to be able to achieve what they want to achieve. I mean, I think that word facilitation is the thing that is kind of key. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's almost impossible to, to put into words how much I've, I've learned from, from coaching him. Look, we're probably both pretty stubborn and, and some, there's some things that he won't, you can't tell him, He'll, he, you just got to let him get, the, get there himself, you know, but you, you've, got to, you've got to just point him on, on the path and, and, he'll, and he'll get there. When you're preparing for a big race and you, 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 you know, everything's there, is there a degree of luck on the day? You asked me about sort of coming third uh, in 2019. Mm. And again, in sport, like I, one of the things I've come around to is that you get what you need. Assuming the Tokyo Paralympics go ahead, we're going to be rocking up with our A game because we've had, you know, we've had a bit of a touch up there and we're like, oh, you know, we better make sure that we're really on top of this. Like, you know, that that's brought a focus to to our last couple of years of training that that just that wouldn't have been there had had we won. As to whether the luck has a part in it rarely i think it's all about your preparation how you how you execute and i think a lot of that is up to the coach as being the limiting factor in in the relationship if you like uh, i don't think a lot of coaches think of themselves that way you know i think if things go wrong it's potentially because i haven't communicated or i haven't done my job or i haven't i haven't taught these guys like what what they need to know i'm not a big believer in the wild cinderella story come out and win after they've been 30 seconds off the pace all year it's not it's not that much of a thing I don't think I don't believe a huge amount in luck I do believe that sport gives you what you need whether that's a win a first or a second or you know you may not like it but you've got to you've got to use whatever you get it's kind of life though isn't it too not just sport it is how important as a coach is the debrief I think it's pretty critical there's like a bit of an imprinting time after a race where, you know, you can explain what's happened. If it hasn't been as good as you'd like, you can show how, how you can move on from there. Or if it's been really good, you can highlight that. I think it's important for people to articulate what they think has happened. I don't think coaching is great where you just stand there and you, and you tell them what has happened. I think you've got to get people to articulate what's happened. And so they have a bit of buying in the process but it's also they have to have some sort of cognition about about what's gone on i think there's a bit of a window there where you can really shape in this case the boys impressions of, of what's happened and and what they need to go forward do you find it hard to give feedback like especially when it's going to be potentially impacting on a on an athlete either them school boys or paralympians when you know that they've worked so hard it is, it is difficult and depending on the exact circumstances, but you just got to try and be a bit professional with it. I have had to deliver various bad news at various stages and, and people can accuse you of being a bit cold and clinical about it. But I think when there's so much emotion involved, 
you know, I think you need to be fairly careful about the things that you say and be a bit concise because it doesn't it doesn't help the situation if the person you're talking to is in tears. Like it doesn't help if I'm in tears as well. So I think it's important to give a clear message and not and not talk around it and not try and, you know, mince your words. And yes, you can try and soften the blow, but I think being a bit factual and and to the point is important because, you know, I don't always think that people remember those conversations that clearly especially if you've waffled on what a great job they've done and I was really close and, and all that. And even though a lot of those things may be true and may be appropriate, conversations like that, you know, no one ever likes them. I think it's important some of the things that you don't say, possibly more important than some of the things that you do. I think delivering a clear message in those situations, even though it seems, it can seem a bit cold-hearted, is the best for the person receiving the message. You're not clouding the issue there. And when they calm down a little bit and they think back, you know, it's it's a little clearer about what, what they've been told. Yeah. At least they've got yeah. something to work with. Is there a coach or athlete that you really admire? And if, if you do, who who is it and why? Um, I grew up, I was I knew most of the guys, particularly Drew, pretty well in the awesome foursome. Uh, you know, incredible athletes, uh, incredibly driven, super talented. Um, I was lucky enough to be coached for a while by their coach, certainly not to the same level as those guys, but Noel Donaldson, uh, he's been, he's been a super successful rowing coach. He's coached the awesome foursome, uh, the Kiwi pair, you know, and, and one of the things that struck me one day while I was out with Noel is obviously wasn't, I wasn't picking up something he was trying to tell me and, and he just kept telling me a different way and a different way. And he must've told me four or five different ways. And eventually it clicked, but it also clicked that, you know, he's just told me the same thing, like five different ways. And, you know, that, so that's, that's something that sort of always stayed with me. You know, I think we, in coaching, if, if someone, if someone's not picking up what you're trying to tell them, well, it's not necessarily their fault. You know, it's, it's your job to communicate in a, in a, in a fashion that they are going to understand. And if they're not, and if they're not picking it up, well, you're not telling them the right way, you know. So uh, I think Noel was Noel was an amazing sort of communicator and manager of people, um, and still is. Uh, so he's he's someone that he's someone that I I, I admire. Look and look, you know, a, a lot of a lot of my friends, and there's just a lot of people that I know that I admire. I, you know, I. I think there's probably not many people around that you, you can't learn something from, I don't mm. think. Yeah, and I think being open to that, yeah, is just the best thing. What can I yep. what can I be curious about learning about what someone else does and how can I potentially adapt that is always really interesting yep. place to be for me. JB, yep. thanks so much. It's been a, a great pleasure. chat. Well, that brings an end to my conversation with JB. There were some really great messages in that conversation. And for me, the things I'm going to think about are, there really are no problems, only solutions. Challenges that need to be met. The importance of communication. Preparation is the key. Always bring your A game. If things don't go the way they planned, what was your role in that as a coach? And finally, no matter what the result, always use what you get. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you found it interesting and it sparked your curiosity to find out more. 
We have plenty of materials and resources to support this episode, so remember to check the show notes. For more leadership content, subscribe to the podcast and follow Accolade Wines on LinkedIn. These podcasts would not be possible without a super production team. Big thanks to the team at Martino Consulting for producing this series of Realising Your Potential. Mm-hmm.